welcome. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we are. With the Third Kid Podcast. My name, of course, is Tristan Damour, and alongside me today is the usual suspect, Alex Perez, friend and colleague. What wants you? How are you doing, man? Good. You're doing good? good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm just good. I'm chill. You're just good? You're, yeah. yeah. A lot of soccer this summer, which is, which oh is, my I God, think, I feel man. like it's, it's exhausting me more than it should. There's so much soccer to, 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 <laughs> to worry about or to, to, I mean, more, now more than ever. Like, uh, there's just too much. I, I, like, I have barely watched any game in, like, any, across any of the competitions currently going on. <laughs> like, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I tried to, to follow every games of the Canadian Premier League. And just last weekend, I couldn't, I couldn't get my, I couldn't get my eyes on any of them. Yeah, I think so far. To be honest, I think since most of the domestic leagues have like stopped um, in Europe, I haven't had the chance to at all. Like my summer work schedule also kicked in, so I haven't had the chance to watch anything. I watched like one of the. I watched Spain play in the Women's World Cup. And I was like, yo, I'm going to keep watching this team. And then I just haven't had a chance to flip on a TV to watch anything. Even Copa America just started. I have not watched the game yet. And I was really looking forward to watching Brazil, actually. Speaking of which, uh, this show is going to be about um, analyzing and giving our predictions either uh, late or right at the, the right time um, for, uh, I think we zeroed down on the World Cup, Copa America, and the gold cup so like our side of the our side of the globe uh the african cup of nations like we're trying to keep an eye on it but again it's just so much stuff <laughs> a lot of soccer i mean i mentioned the, the the things from the top and i didn't even mention the canadian championship which uh we are also gonna kind of dive in 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 qualifying round three because for the first time the cpl clubs are going to be taking on the, the the clubs that play in the U.S. So MLS, USL, the Ottawa Fury is going to be in there as well. Uh, it's uh, it's it's just, a, it's the, I don't think I've seen a summer with that much soccer. No, I definitely haven't. This is, <laughs> it's almost too much. And, you know, when it comes to soccer for me, I, and I know probably for you as well, like there's no such thing as too much, but yeah, like I said, it's so hard to keep track of, and you—it's like also there's the Canadian Championships going on. And you just reminded me too, African Cup of Nations going on. Um, yeah, there's a lot this summer, and it's all happening like relatively all at the same time. It's funny because uh, I mean, and I'm not—I'm—I'm I'm by no means uh, complaining about this. When I need to like with it be, with this kind of being my work, I need to focus on certain aspects yeah. and certain leagues. And it's it's tough afterwards to kind of keep track and uh, putting your attention to the things that you want to put your attention because, you know, I want to put as much attention on the World Cup as I as I want to. I want to put as much attention on Copa America and the Gold Cup as I want to, but I'm not going to be able to sit down and watch every single game because yeah. it's just too much. However, we can have some fun and be the kind of sideline pundits and, uh, well, not necessarily sideline pundits, but give our our thoughts and who we think is going to make it far maybe maybe giving some dark horses but definitely having some type of predictions oh yeah for um, sure and i think we should start with the world cup yeah i think it i think that's uh i'm so i'm down with that so uh the world cup which by now i mean has already started uh a bunch of teams already clinched 
the knockout rounds and for our purposes um mostly Canada has clinched uh they are going to be uh part of the knockout rounds I mean hopefully that that, that doesn't come as a surprise to anyone um but uh by the time we record this they haven't played the Netherlands yet so we don't know if they're going to be first or second so uh we're just going to go by the fact that they have clinched the knockout rounds so um as 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 you were saying lots of soccer going on you probably didn't I don't know if you had time to watch any of the games going on but I guess my first question to you is who are you seeing going all the way uh to I guess the finals in Lyon right so who is going to lift the cup at the end of all this so I did watch one game um I did watch the Spain game. I am rooting for Spain for obvious reasons because I am half Spanish. But um, to be honest, a team that has caught my eye and and what I've been able to 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 watch and some of the highlights on social media, the Netherlands look good, man. They look like a great team. And also Vivian Medima, am I pronouncing that right? Who who right now is the best player at the World Cup? Oh yeah, I mean uh, at 22, I mean, 22 years old and you're setting scoring records like that. With uh, uh, Ada, with Ada Hedgeberg not being there, the Ballon d'Or winner not being there for Norway, uh, it's pretty much a battle between her and Alex Morgan. I want to say as well, who you know, uh, you know, got four goals against uh, four against or Thailand. Five? Or I mean, it was a <laughs> lot of goals. But I mean, she won the Golden Boot already. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, at this point, she's pretty much go- the Golden Boot winner, and that's why, uh, especially today, especially for us recording and that's why it's kind of important to kind of date the podcast here that Netherlands team is in my mind is much better than the team we saw at the World Cup in Canada four years ago Um, that game is going to be really important and I think that game is a benchmark if Canada want to be serious in this competition if Canada want to be recognized as one of the best nations in the world they need to have a strong performance against the Netherlands. They need to actually show that they can win this whole thing. They that they're they're not going to stop at the, at a third place finish, and uh, I think that's the next step for for Canada. Now, where do I think Canada ranks in all of this? I really would want to see them in the final. I think that's where I kind of would like to see them, and I think it's it's such a testament because in the last two games which you know granted isn't the uh the benchmark games that you're gonna see right but you have uh you have uh, Riviere who's like 18 years old playing fullback and Kenneth Heiner Muller does not back away from starting her that's really cool and she's putting up she's putting up good numbers and she's starting in front of Elisa Chapman who <laughs> who was uh, uh granted she was subbed in later in the in the half of that second game but they still put off a performance. They still put off two nothing. Uh, is there things that I'd like to see? Uh, I would have liked to see more Adriana Leon. I'm a big fan of Adriana Leon. To be honest, she's an absolute tank up there at front. And I think with her energy, with her composure, and the fact that she um, went to went overseas. She's she went overseas uh, at the start of the season. She went to go play with West Ham. She went to the FA Cup final. They eventually lost to uh, Man City, but. You know, a lot of these players on that Canadian team uh, made that move of just having, um, making a move to get bigger numbers, to play more minutes, and to to be in a more professional setup. 
and I think you 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 uh, not that Canada was bad before, but I think Canada's it's it's their World Cup to really get to another level. Um, in terms of predictions, I'm gonna save mine before uh, I'm gonna save mine. I'll let you kind of you know take the stage for a little, and then I'll I'll come back. I mean, for the Women's World Cup, I mean, I I'm I think Netherlands have the chance to to go to the final with the team that they have, and obviously with um, with who I mentioned before, Vivian Medima. I mean, at like I said, at 22 years old, and you're setting records, you know, for the national team, 60 goals at that age. Um, I think for her, she has a bright future. But having watched the Netherlands play, um, you know, I caught that's one of the one of the other games I managed to catch the highlights of. And you know, I I do like the way that they managed to play on the pitch, and you know, they seem like a very patient team with the ball. Um, you know, I'm not as well versed in terms of uh, women's soccer knowledge as you are, but um, you know, to keep it short, that's that's who I can see uh, making it all the way. That said, though, um, you know, England have a good team. Uh, Argentina, I was noticing some of the highlights, and they have a great team as well. And it's um, their first tournament too, which is too. which is a great. Their sight. goalie made what one or two penalty saves. One one really good penalty save against England, actually. Um, but it seems like from what I'm noticing, it seems like there's a lot of teams that can take this tournament, um, which is not something you really see a lot. And this World Cup, there's a lot of parity in it. Um, you know, you were mentioning Canada who can go off and, and, and make the final and maybe take this, which is totally possible. I think Netherlands can also do it. I can also see England doing it. I could see France doing it. You know, like there's stiff competition and like that's what I like to see at, at, at the national stage and which, um, I mean, with, with the exception of the 2018 World Cup, you didn't see it that much in previous World Cups. You know, you kind of, in 2010, you kind of had this feeling like, yeah, I think Spain's just going to go to the final and take this because they were just the best in the world at that point. Um the 2018 one was the one that caught us by surprise. And then now the, the Women's World Cup is this whole year of soccer that's just so unpredictable is, is still carrying on. And, and that's what I like to see. I, I like to, I enjoy to see the parody in, in the competition and, you know, to see various nations that are, I think, equally as good. Um, you know, and I left out the U.S. 13 nothing against Thailand. Like, But, um, that yeah, that's what I enjoy to see is, is to see that type of competition and that, you know, there is not one set favorite, I think, in this in this World Cup. Uh, I, as much as I uh, want to see Canada win this, and I, I, I literally said like a few a few minutes ago that uh, I I could potentially see them go all the way to the finals. I don't know if winning it is necessarily there. I really want to see them winning it for Christine Sinclair, and because because. I'm not sure if Christine Sinclair is going to be at the same level in the next World Cup because it's still four years away and she just celebrated her 36th birthday. At 40, I mean, if there's anyone that could do it, it's it's her. But, I mean, realistically, are you going to really see her? I mean, you'd expect uh, like a Janine Becky or a Jordan Heinema uh, kind of taking that spot in the next World Cup. But uh, but I'll put them in in my in my favorites and in, in their in in my personal favorites. But right now I see two teams. Um, you were you were mentioning it. The U.S. national team. Uh, you know they very much can go back to back. I can very much see that happening. They've got such a talented squad from top to bottom. It's just it's impressive what they're able to what they've been able to put up uh, in these past. Um, I want to say five years, so including uh, a, a couple of years before the last World Cup, 
and uh, just how convincingly they won against Japan in, in Vancouver for that final. Uh, I can totally see them come back. I'm also going to put France in there because um, France are on a mission. You can really see that. You can really see how they want back-to-back World Cups, men's and women's, and it's at home. And that team is so talented. Um, I'm just going to start by talking about Wendy, Wendy Renard, who uh, at center back has like how many goals? She's got a trolley of goals at center back and she's still in her 20s. Uh, she's so dominant. She, you know, um, as a center back, has the vision of of a, of a creative midfielder, which is so refreshing and 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 great to see. She she's allowed that liberty from uh, from the, the the France managers to, to 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 have kind of that forward thinking mentality, despite being a center back, which I really enjoy watching. So uh, they can make some damage in there. But as you said, England's also in that pack. But I think right now, it's going to be either, in my mind, it's going to be either the U.S. or France for very different reasons. But um, at the end, depending on how the tree looks and how the knockout rounds look, if we can get a France-U.S. Uh, final, it could be firecrackers. Uh, but so could, could Canada. Canada can bring it. Like, And that's... What I hope to see from Canada this year is I want to see them kind of going to the next level and proving that they can ball with the with the Americans, with the French, with the with the English. That's what I want to see. Uh, you know, Canada they've always been kind of there, and Herdman, credit to him, did a, a tremendous job. Now I want to see you know Hyler Muller got uh, he 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 got the baton from uh, from Herdman. I want to see him running. Uh, running with it and uh, and 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 leading this very very talented group of women uh, to at least a World Cup final. I would like to see that happening, but uh, you know there's a lot of twists and turns and there's a lot of very good surprises. I mean we've seen Italy win the first two games. Um, Japan's always in there, which I haven't even talked about. They're like finalists from last year, you know. It's, and so so it, it's it's very much a wide open. Uh, thing and you were mentioning the Netherlands um, maybe by now by the time you listen to this maybe uh, you guys will know more than us but um, yeah very open uh, tournament I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if you said if you had a a, a, a prediction I'm I'm, I'm going well, I, I said Netherlands you said Netherlands said okay Netherlands. so I'm gonna go with the French I'm gonna go with the French it would be really cool to see them uh, take take the World Cup at home and kind of avenge um, the the men's loss of the Euros. Oh, that's good. Yeah, in 2016. Yeah. So and then have uh, men's women's back to back. I think I don't know if that's even been done before. So yeah, that could be question, that actually. could be really really cool. That could be really cool to see. So um, I guess with that on, um, we can. Do you want to go Gold Cup or Copa America? No, I can go with Copa America. Copa America. Yeah. So. Another tournament that's already started. Uh, Copa America hosted in Argentina? Brazil. In Brazil. Yeah, it's Brazil in- is the host nation. Also, those Brazil, the, the white kits that they have, 
are just absolute flames like they are fire like i love them and i think it's the first time in since the 50s i want to say since they since they they had worn uh white away jerseys at a national tournament it's a little controversial that yeah. jersey too well because you're so used to just the the blue and then the home jersey with the with obvious well obviously the home jerseys the yellow and the green but um we're always so used to like a blue away jersey but i like it i i i like the white polo and the white and blue it looks it's a good style but um Aside from that, aside from their really nice kits, um, they have a really, really nice squad. I mean, this is probably, I think on paper. Um, and you know what? I hope I don't hype up Brazil just to be disappointed again, <laughs> as they do in the last few national tournaments. But um, on paper, I, I think this is one of the most enjoyable Brazil squads I think I've seen in a while um, in terms of just having that talent all come together at the same time. Um, and, you know, to quote Utrecht, and, you know, football needs a good Brazil team. And I yes. I think this is the Brazil team to maybe start that renaissance um, because in 2014 and 2018, you know, 2014 uh, like was just a bomb for Brazil. Um, you know, having hosted that World Cup, they lose seven one to the Germans. I think in this, I want to say in the semis or in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then in twenty eighteen, they just did not seem like a team that I mean, still a great team, but you know, I, I, they just didn't have that aura that like you know France had, that England had, that Belgium had. You know, there was just something about those teams that you know there was more of a hunger there and. I don't know, and the Brazil, I guess, just didn't do it for me in, in 2018. But now I'm seeing this team. You know, you have players that are on top of their game, kind of all at the same time. You know, even Richarlison uh, from Everton, who's had a two pretty good seasons in the Premier League now. Um, you know, obviously Roberto Firmino, uh, he's coming off a Champions League win. He obviously is going to want that national title as well. Um, but you know, some other players that have broken onto the scene earlier this year, uh, Nedes from Ajax. You know who's coming off a domestic campaign with 12 goals and 12 assists. Um, you know, and then you obviously have players like Arthur with Barcelona, Coutinho with Barcelona, um, Fernandinho who had a spectacular season with Man City. You know, like top to bottom on paper, um, this like I said, this is one of the best Brazil teams I think I've seen in a while. And not to mention their two goalies that they have. You know, I would say are in the top five in the world right now with Allison Becker and, and uh, Ederson. It's and they're so on disappointing. This, it's, and they're on the same team. To think, imagine imagine being, I think, well, Allison right now just seems like the number one for Brazil, but imagine being either or of those keepers or imagine just being the coach and just having to say, like, I like you I would are be, the two best keepers in the world right I would now. be tremendously happy to start either of them, right? You know, right? And it's just like, and I think Allison has, has been that number one for the last few years, but that's not to say, like, Ederson just... You could put Ederson in there, and it's the same thing for them. Like, you know, you can argue right now that they're the top two. Argue, but um, you know, you have two of the best keepers in the world in one team. That's like a luxury that not many national teams have, and I think that that's just a testament to how good they're be they're becoming. And all that to say, <laughs> I mean, Brazil is my choice. I think to win the Copa America. Um, but yeah, it's it's like you said. I think football needs a good Brazil side, and I think that this next gen Brazil coming into the Copa America, and depending how it finishes for them, I think that they could be 
that new national team for Brazil to lead the way. That is very true. And uh, yeah, I, I totally stand by what I... I don't remember where I said that or how or, or when, uh, but it, it is true that Brazil, like football, world football as a whole needs a, a strong Brazil. I, I don't know. I, I feel like when you don't, I don't know. It's just. I think traditionally they've just been a nation that raises the bar and just. Yeah. And when you have that one nation that raises the bar, you know, everybody else gets better. And the one nation that I can think of now that did that in, in I guess, like our generation, the last decade has been Spain. Yeah. In 2008. I think since since the 08, uh, 2010, and then, you know, at the end of it in 2012, um, since that Spain team, every national team, and even at the club level um, with Barcelona's influence, every all those teams in club football whether it be Bayern Munich even Real Madrid um, you know PSG and then on the national level with France and Portugal and Netherlands like it just all these teams are getting better and I think it just comes from the influence of that one national team that managed to kind of flip the pages or flip the script Um, I think that was Brazil in the 90s um, where they were kind of that bar and it was up to the rest to kind of maybe match that Um, so I think that's always been in Brazil's footballing philosophy i would say maybe if that's if those are the right words but um to raise the bar and then everybody else catches them because that's i think traditionally that's what brazil's always been about and you can obviously see it on paper five world cups like you yeah, know <laughs> absolutely i mean it is um in a way kind of brazil's tournament to lose or it's brazil's tournament to win to be honest like if there's a better opportunity to redeem your national team to your own fans, let's face it, uh, the Brazil fans kind of lost some faith. I mean, I spoke to a bunch of, uh, uh, I, I was, I, so I, I recently went down to, uh, to New York to watch the Cosmos play for the first time, which was an unbelievable experience. And um, I was talking with, um, with uh, someone from Brazil and she was saying, yeah, the people over there really lost faith. In in the national team, they just don't believe anymore. They 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 were they were scre- they were screwed a bunch of times by their own national team, um, so much so that uh, the Brazilian fans in the World Cup started supporting Germany because they were like, "Yeah, f- credit to them. They beat us really really good. They beat us real good. So let's support them just to like kind of you know tell it to our own national team." And that's telling. That is very telling. Um, so yeah, so I, I definitely will. I definitely agree with your uh, with your prediction. But I'll just to just to kind of give a different one. <laughs> just to spice things up a bit. Just to give me yeah. Uruguay. <laughs> oh just, yeah, I knew it. I knew give it. Give me Uruguay. I knew it. So, I knew it. So um, not. I'm, I definitely am not a fan of Luis Suarez. Not a fan at all of Luis Suarez for many reasons that you guys all know. Um, but I like the composition of that team. Honestly, well, Ed- when Edinson it, Cavani, man. when it Edinson Cavani, one of the one of the world's best strikers, in my mind. Uh, when Cavani is healthy, he is lethal. He really is lethal. And another thing, in South American football, uh, Uruguay has the best defense. They have the best backline, uh, and. You also got, which I personally like just for my kind of North American MLS bias, they've got Nico Lodero of the Seattle Sounders on their team, 
who scored a goal. He scored in like the sixth minute against Ecuador. Now, granted, they won four nothing, but um, Ecuador took a a red card at like the twenty fourth minute. So, I mean, I'm not gonna like get swayed by that result. Um, but I can totally see Uruguay kind of go all the way, and then if there's a Brazil Uruguay at Maracanã type situation. You never know, right? You never know. That's, that's vintage football. History <laughs> history could repeat that itself. That would be such a vintage game. Um, but what are you thinking now? There's there's one national team in this tournament that I feel everybody wants to see win, but they kind of, you know. Are you talking always, about Argentina? Always the same story. And yeah, I'm talking about Argentina. And Argentina who slipped in their first game. Yeah, two late goals, two nothing against um, Colombia. Another another strong squad. I, I, I must mean, say, Colombia. I had a feeling they were going to lose that game because Colombia have been a team that you just can never count out now uh, since 2014. Um, but I had a feeling they were going to lose that game. But I don't know. There's just something about when when it actually happens, when they actually lose, and you just kind of look at down at your phone or you look at your TV and and you're just like, well. Um, here we go again, and it's it just becomes the same old story. And I remember when the squad list was released, and we had I had DM'd it to like one of our group chats or or something. And I think mine and your reactions were genuinely the same. Was eh. it's not as good? Messi, Aguero, and who else? You know, and I I because it really is that I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the eleven from the Colombia game. And then, like, you look at it and you're like, okay, so Angel Di Maria plays on the right. You got Giovanni Lo Celso or Lo, Lo Celso. Or Lo, Lo, I, I, I would tend to say Lo Celso. Anyway, you have him on the, on the left. And then you look at the midfield, the, the central midfield, and you're like, eh, what have you done for me lately? And then you look at, you look at, the, you look at the, uh, the back line. And apart from Tagliafico, who had a great, uh, who had a great uh, season at Ajax, I don't know. It's it's very much uninspiring. So what I'm looking at, if you want to make a case for Argentina, is when is that team going to wake up to the fact that Lionel Messi has not won a senior title, at least, with Argentina? Can we have a moment where everybody kind of gets together and says, all right, in order for him to really be inked in as the best in the world. He needs to win something with the Argentinian national team. Can we please get him a title? I think everybody, everybody in the world, that's maybe not Brazilian or Portuguese for that matter. I think everybody wants to see Messi win with Argentina. I think, I don't think anyone, if he's in the final and he's playing actually, and his team's playing great, I don't think anybody is mad at that. I think... Everybody's just waiting for him to get a goddamn title. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's Copa America, whether it's the, the World Cup, he needs one like really badly. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's I don't know, it's disappointing for Messi actually. Like I and when I see his performances for Argentina compared to when you you watch him with Barca, obviously Barca is just a, a much more talented team, I think from top to bottom, but you know, is there any effort on his part for the Argentinian national team to want to be successful? Is is there any type of discouragement with Messi? It's it's a big question mark for me. And 
I think I think ultimately it might come down to that. I think he is a very discouraged character when he's with the Argentinian national team. But at the same time, I, I think it really comes down for the last few tournaments now, it's come down to the coaching. I don't think they have found um someone suitable to lead that team properly. And we we saw it with Maradona when he was the national team coach there was nothing really spectacular going on there um in 2014 or or this past tournament the 2018 their their coach wasn't all I you know I didn't see anything really um you know magical happening with that national team um but I I think it comes down I, I really think it comes down to coaching because you know there is there is talent in this squad but I I just feel in the last few years it hasn't been utilized properly and it always it's always the same thing with Argentina. It's like they have such talented forwards, but their back line isn't too great. But you know, when you have maybe four or five of the best goal scorers in the world, and you have like three of them or four of them on your bench, I I don't know. Like I think the I think that right there should be what leads Argentina. But I just don't think they're being used properly. And I I, I assume that Paulo Dybala was on the bench on that first game as well. Yeah, he was, and he and he did not play. You know, and with the four four two lineup, I don't know. It's it just seems for me that it's it's kind of setting them up for failure. And I think in the second game is, you know, it's like Messi said at the post game uh, against Colombia. It's, there's no need to panic, which is fine. It's the first game, and they can they could still go on and win both games and make the knockout rounds. I think that really has to be their goal right now is just make the knockout rounds and let's see what happens later. Um, but that said, I think for next game, you know, obviously stay composed, but why not play a lineup that can pose a consistent attacking threat? You know, if, if, if I'm the coach of Argentina right now, um, you know, I'm not going to try out playing a four, four, two lineup, go with a four, three, three, play Aguero centrally, put the ball on the wing, put either, Messi or Di Maria on the other one, and then either or of them in an attacking midfield position. Well, here's the question I was going to ask, because if you do get a four a four three three, and then you kind of have like the attacking four three three with like the the forward pointing triangle, would you be would you be interested, in, or would it be better to put to to drop down Messi in a more of a ten of course. role? Yeah, of course, and use him more as a as you know, because we know Messi can track back. You know, it's just about... Uh, I think it's just about the link-up. And, yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I think I think he should play at, at a more 10 or even just an attacking mid-roll in general or in a number 8 position in a 4-3-3 because Messi's at a stage in his career right now, um, and this is a quote I saw actually from, from Cesc Fabregas earlier this week, was, you know, Messi back in the day when... Coming up in his early 20s, he's dribbling past four or five players, scoring stunning goals. And you're like, wow, this kid is going to go on to be the greatest of all time. And now you see Messi now. He obviously has that same skill. I, I, you know, I won't rule past him you know, doing the same thing as he's doing when he's 21, 22, because he is putting up those same numbers. But you see Messi now. He's a much more composed player, and he knows how to play from the back. He knows how to play from deeper roles now because there's that void left from Xavi and Iniesta where you see him dishing out like 50-yard passes, 20-yard passes, you know. Um, Messi can cross a ball, you know. Messi can distribute from the back line, or back line, but Messi can distribute from midfield and past midfield. Um, and I think that's what Argentina needs is someone to pull the strings. And I think if you drop Messi back, 
I think that'll allow him much more freedom with Argentina to be able to to lead the attack rather than kind of be the one up front, give it to Messi and, you know, let's see what happens in the push forward. I think Messi can be that player that incites the offense and incites that push forward. And then you have Di Maria and Dybala and, and you know, you have Aguero who on his game is one of the best finishers in the world. Exactly. Cause, and I think that just on the counterattack, having a Messi uh, further down can really help you pounce on the opposition. And like, let's face it, the opposition, I mean, I have faith that Argentina is going to get a result against Paraguay and Qatar. Like, I don't think they're, they're very, they're, 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 they're very much doable games, you know? At this point in Argentina, in Argentina's, I guess, you know, last few years, I, I can, I can't really rule them out. I can't rule out them losing to Paraguay. Oh, you think I that uh, you it's, think that uh, Paraguay with uh, with 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 the addition of uh, Almiron and and uh, I mean who else who else is the big striker? I, I mean right it's now? not only that. I just think they they have a track record of disappointing now, and you know you you can't rule out them losing against a team like Paraguay. And that's not to say that Paraguay is lesser than Argentina and that they'll go off and upset them. I think Argentina is just they're they're not as good as we think they are. You know. Interesting is what I'm saying. I think I think with Argentina, and I think that the same can go. You can argue the same with Spain, who are, they're not exactly obviously the same as they were la- the last few years. And you know, the threat with Spain really comes with that reputation, where it's like, oh, that that last national team that won the three P. You know, they're always going to be favorites in the tournament, no matter what, because of their history. I think it's the same thing with Argentina. There's a lot of history behind there, and you know, they're relying a lot on that. And that's a really where I think that threat comes from where it's like, oh, Argent- there's the name there, you know, there's the name that comes with Argentina, there's the reputation that comes with Argentina having been World Cup winners in the past, but, you know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not it, ready. It's, I'm it's not a, ready to... It's a big uh, question mark on on it. I feel like we can have a whole podcast on Argentina. But, oh, totally. Uh, but that said, there are other good teams in this in this Copa America. And, um, you know, like Colombia is one of them, you know, obviously, you know, Ecuador is in there. Who's not too bad, although they did they lost right to to Uruguay. Uh, let me check that you put me on the spot. Yeah, there, I Perez. apologize. But um, who are you looking for? Ecuador. Uh, Ecuador has lost four nothing to Uruguay. Still not a bad team, though. I think Ecuador. But um, again, you got fa- you got to factor in the fact that they got a red card in the first half. Yeah, that is true. So you didn't really get to see what they were. Really you didn't made get of. You, you didn't see a true yeah. Ecuador team. But then again, they're playing. In what I'm considering the group of death in Copa America, Uruguay, Chile, Japan, and Ecuador. That's a tough, tough and group. Chile, and we left out Chile, back-to-back champions. I don't know. Chile, well, so I don't know. The, the thing with Chile, in my mind, is it's not a thing about looking at Chile. It's about looking at the other teams. I think teams have gotten better than Chile. In my mind. Yeah. And I'm sticking to my Uruguay pick. I like Uruguay this year. Um, I think this is the time to uh, to move on to the Gold Cup. Yeah. Let's Gold do it. Cup. And, okay. So, we got, gonna, we got Brazil on my end for Copa America. And we got Uruguay. I got Uruguay. Yeah. And for the World Cup, Netherlands on your side. And I, th- I think I said France. I said France. Have yeah. I said? Yeah, I'm, fly- I'm flying the flag. 
Uh, okay, and I'm really gonna try. You're even and... wearing the colors, although I know that it's a vintage Montreal Manic jersey. Yeah, but, it is. But it is it is the French colors, which is I think. Okay, now I'm really gonna try and be as unbiased as possible because uh, I mean I I tried to do that for uh, for the World Cup, and I kind of said that I'm expecting Canada to go to final, so that's not the best job on my end. But um, Canada in the Gold Cup have a chance. They have a chance. Uh, I, I think they're the dark horse of this tournament, though. They're the dark... Okay, I, I you want to you you start? I think they might be the surprise package, although I do agree with you. I think they have a chance. Because I have a different dark horse. Oh, okay. Okay, so okay, okay. okay. I, I think Canada's the dark horse. I think... But they're on their way. They're on their way okay. of being... of being. I think in their region, in CONCACAF, being a, a good national team that can contend for... You know, uh, you know, in in future gold cups, I think they could still contend for this one. Um, do I think they're a better team than the last gold cup? Absolutely, absolutely. I think the last gold cup was definitely a good. You know, you were you were talking about benchmarks before. I think last gold cup was a good benchmark for the Canadian national team. Although there was that in between where, you know, we thought Zambrano was going to lead the new era. Something happened after the gold cup. They brought in Herdman, and now it it seems like they picked up where they left off, which is which is really good because I had a lot of doubts when. Zambrano left for questionable reasons that well, I'm still I think, not fully sure about. But well, it, <laughs> and then it, Herdman came in from the women's national team, and we weren't sure. If you're how asking it was me, both teams, but I, I think it's a situation where they did not want to lose Herdman. Herdman had said that he wanted to move to the men's game. Uh, he was going to do the World Cup regardless, mm-hmm. but I think it was Canada acting promptly and realizing that. They don't want to lose a guy like John Herdman, who brings a very uh, exciting um, X factor to this Canadian national team. Yeah. And like he did with the women's team. And what I enjoy about this team uh, as well is, you know, last obviously last Gold Cup, they were a relatively young team. You know, Piet was still up and coming before coming to the impact. He it really still, was his coming up. Bernie. It really was. He was honestly, he was the most impressive player for me at that at that last gold cup. The way he maintained possession for I think at the time he might have been twenty two, I wanna say. Even even probably younger than that. Because he's twenty four now. The way he dictated Well no, it, it would mean that he was twenty he was twenty two. Yeah. So and, yeah. and and the way he was dictating the passing in the midfield for for that at that age, um on the national team was the most impressive thing I saw from Canada in that tournament. But that said relatively young team to begin with um but now you kind of see those same players making their way on this team they're more experienced you know obviously piet now who's been captaining the impact for about a season season and a half he's been on and off with the armband last well year. he's 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 kind of the replacement captain for piatti because yeah. piatti technically is the captain but yeah Honestly, i'll give you that I, I get for me it's piet <laughs> you know i know it's piatti but for me it's piet okay but um, but yeah no he's been wearing that he's he's had that responsibility now, um, and you know not only that you know th- those young players are who are definitely more experienced now, you have even younger players coming up that are just as impressive. You know we we've talked in the past about Liam Miller, um, you know there's then there's obviously Alfonso Davies who made a who made a move to Bayern this year. Uh, Balutabla, who recently, who's not part of the national team, actually, imagine that's that's a testament to how deep that team is now. You know, um, and <laughs> I can't imagine Herdman's decision uh, to leave out Tabla. So was it a leave out or was it? It, it was due to so interestingly. Uh, Herdman called uh, Balu 
and explained to him that the decision to not include him was because of minutes played. Like, he didn't play enough minutes, which I respect the fact that he actually called him to explain that. At the club level. At the club level. Yeah. Because he is on loan from Barcelona B to a team where he barely plays any minutes. Um, And I'll say that for the first time on the record, that really smells of an impact loan. In a few... It would make sense, but it doesn't seem like his move to Barca's... I know he's young and it's Barca B and he's he's training with a great club uh, and I'm sure it'll... I I hope it benefits him. But because... Has I mean, the move worked out, really? You know. Well, like, so here, that's that's an interesting question because, and if you if you can allow me to make an impact tangent for a second, yeah, I'll go for um, it. The impact right now are kind of lacking on the uh, winger level because of the number of injuries. Uh, the Harry Novillo experiment didn't work out. Maybe I mean, so here's the deal, right? The impact don't have an international spot. Uh, and Balu is a Canadian international, so it wouldn't necessarily um, merit. Uh, it, it it wouldn't. You won't. You wouldn't need a an international spot. And since you were the team that sold the players to Barcelona, maybe there could be an agreement to you know only pay a part of his salary. I don't know. It's worth mentioning it at this point it's worth mentioning it it's, I'm, i do not i want to stress that i don't know anything i don't have any sources telling me anything so don't and any impact fans listening do not go streaking or don't uh you know go with the the pitchforks and the because i mean he did leave uh leaving a couple uh, impact fans not very happy but you know regardless but to come back on that national team i i've got a good feeling the only thing I'm a little worried about, and that is uh, kind of going into the, the Mexico game, which I'm not sure by the time you you guys listen to this, I am not sure if they, would, they will have played yet. But regardless, with the goal difference, with uh, Mexico on seven goals and, and Canada on, on, on four goals, it looks like Canada is probably going to be the second team going into that group. Um but you need to have a good result against Mexico. And I'm not sure, and here was my point, I'm not sure that playing Atiba Hutchinson at center back is the greatest idea. I know there are a lot of really good uh, central midfielders in this team. You mentioned Samuel Piet, Scott Arfield's in there. You got Osorio is in there. Atiba's in there. It's funny, you mentioned Scott Arfield, and it's, that's a name that completely slipped my mind as well. Oof, what a player. And that's a good that's that's a really good point. I mean, this team has gotten so deep, so much deeper than I uh, than I remember it to be. Uh, I thought that the starting right fullback would be Zachary Broguillard of of the Impact. Turns out it was Marcus Godinho, and Godinho played really well. He came out of nowhere and surprised me. The the, the guys coming in from playing in Scotland, and really brings and really brings a touch to this team. I haven't seen that in a while. And like look, people in the uh, in the Martinique game, people were surprised to see Jonathan David start and he got two goals. 
and, and you know that's just like uh, that's what you'd expect of a, of a, of a big club of a big club in the in the Concacaf nation like Canada playing a smaller nation like Martinique, but you also gotta understand, and I feel like a lot of uh, Canadian national team fans, at least the men's national team fans uh, that are listening, are gonna back me up on this. There was always that that worry every like every time you'd come in, I would be frightened to see like okay so. Uh, is this the time where we're going to lose one nothing to Martinique on a late goal? Is this going to be the time where we drop one? And no, uh, whenever anyone makes a mistake, Borian comes in, makes amazing saves. Then you got Piet on the recovery. You got, uh, I mean, I would like to see Atiba in the midfield. But then you got, you know, you got Davies with the, with the, the footwork. And then you got David's, uh, David putting goals up. For the first time, I actually think that this club is a contender. This team is a contender. And like to be honest, I was too young to witness the 2000 Gold Cup. That's just me. Uh, sorry if I'm making people feel old. But for the first time in my witnessing of the Canadian national team, I feel like we have a chance. And this is a strange but amazing feeling. Now, is Mexico in this? Yes, they are. Are they? Do I think they might just win the whole thing? Of course, they might. Do I think that the USA is gonna pounce and and win this whole thing? Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a fair thing to to think about. Now, I said I would have dark horses. I have two. The first is Costa Rica, because Costa Rica is playing their first. It's the first time that they're playing a Gold Cup game at home. They're going to host one game. Uh, in Costa Rica, uh, and they're always, I mean, they've proved it in the World Cup. Their, their team's a bit different, I'll say that, but they're definitely a dark horse. And my second dark horse, we witnessed it here in Montreal a few, uh, uh, was it a year ago, two years ago? It's Curacao. Oh, nice. So Curac- I was reminiscing about that game, actually, like a while back, like a, like earlier this week, actually. Curacao is a very, very new nation. They're still in their like third year as a as a CONCACAF nation. Um, but let me tell you, I would I I would be scared of that team going in. You never know. They've got players from the Premier League. They've got players from England. They've got players in in the um, in the Netherlands. They've got players playing all over the world. And they're that small nation that can just pounce on you if you don't give them the respect. And let's remember, we're in CONCACAF. And there's a, there's a reason why the, uh, why the saying, you just got concacaf is still very much a thing. <laughs> so I would, uh, th- th- that's the second team I would watch. But I'm going to fly the flag. I'm really going to fly the flag and say Canada wins it. Wow, that's my prediction. You know, I, I I want them to win it. Do I think they'll win it? I I still have my doubts, um, but I I think my preference would be Canada. My actual prediction is, I feel like it it, it might be a Mexico or, or U.S. type of thing, and it might come down to disappointment. But I would really like to see Canada win it. Um, you know, it'd be nice to see another team in red uh win some silverware this year. <laughs> a little little Liverpool <laughs> reference and the Toronto Raptors reference. Yes, that's big true. ups to Toronto. What a win that was! That is very true. Okay, so uh, the last, the last one. We're just gonna do one last one, um, and that's the Canadian Championship. Oh, well, speaking of Canada, right? So um, the uh, qualifying round two 
um, Calgary Cavalry, Hal- Halifax Wanderers, as you bump into the microphone. Yeah, so I, I was going to say something. I'm like, maybe it didn't catch, but yeah, I, I bumped into the microphone. And uh, York 9 uh, managed to, uh, to uh, make it to the qualifying round three, which... Uh, just as a tangent, why are you calling it qualifying round? Why can't we just have the round one, two, three, four, semifinal, final? That's just a that's just a tangent uh, from me. Um, so um, the cavalry are going to play are going to be playing uh, the Whitecaps. Halifax is going to be playing the Ottawa Fury, and York Nine is going to play the Montreal Impact. Now. I think the most tricky one, and the if you're a CPL fan, the one you need to put your money on is Cavalry against the Whitecaps. I w- <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. Cavalry has yet to, and I just want to make sure that they have yet to lose a game. Regardless, this team is steamrolling. They really hit the ground running at the start with this with the inaugural CPL and everything. They've... Oh, they've clearly been the most impressive team uh, by far. One of the most exciting matchups just in terms of one versus one. But see, now, you know what? I'm, what I'm curious now with um, with the Impact playing York, with Vancouver playing Cal- uh, Cavalry, is do they play their full-strength lineups or do they experiment a bit? Well, here's the because, deal, right? Because they are new clubs and you know, you're thinking from at their level... Um, you know, maybe they can afford to drop a few players to rest for, for a for a domestic league game or something. Well, here's why I think Cavalry can can take it against Vancouver, and that's why I think one of the most one like the greatest one v one kind of situation is whoever plays up top for Calgary against Max Crippo. That's gonna be amazing to watch. Um, that being said, uh, Cavalry are in this position where. They've done so well that they can punch their ticket to the final by winning the spring season and can afford to lose a couple of games. So here's your deal. You can put your full-strength lineup against a Vancouver that is probably going to need to get some points to try and get in the playoffs, and they're probably going to be putting not their A squad, not necessarily their B squad, but maybe not the A squad, and then you can just pounce on them. It's the perfect opportunity for Cavalry. To make a statement as a CPL team, to be the first CPL team to win against MLS, an MLS squad, and uh, put a pin in that because I think York has something to say as well. Um, but I think it's the perfect opportunity for Cavalry. It's it's not a very big. Uh, it's probably the shortest travel they've done all year. Well, uh, except for maybe Edmonton, but going to Vancouver if you're Calgary is not the worst travel. It's not like Halifax going all the way to Ottawa. It's not, it, you know, it, 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 you know, it's not like Cavalry going all the way to Halifax or to going all the way to York. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be too bad. And in a midweek game where you know maybe Vancouver has another game in that weekend, I think they've got a strong chance. Now, uh, I want to jump into the the Impact game before going to Ottawa. Um. I really think that York can surprise the impact there. Now, here's the deal. You know, the impact have been plagued with injury since the beginning of the season. Last year, and, uh, you know, it's always been the the thing where 
you know, they uh, coaches always say, oh, we want to win every trophy we can, nah, 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 blah, blah, blah. I don't know if Remy Gall and the Impact really put that much emphasis on the Canadian Championship last year. Now, with no Piatti, uh, depending on, uh, you know, limited resources, no international spots to get new players, are we going to see a very, very, very young and a very B-squad um, team against York? That's one thing. Number two, in York, the pitch is as small as Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that is very true. I remember. I just remember watching the York Nine Blaville game, and I, I was so frustrated with the size of the pitch. Here you go. I couldn't. <laughs> so, it's one of those things that really peeves me when I watch soccer. It's like the West Ham Stadium too. It's not like the. It's it's like smaller than most PL clubs. So every time I watch a West Ham game, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. So here's the deal, right? Can York try and and uh, and be the second team to win against an MLS squad? Now I think overall. Montreal might have more firepower. I think that, although you got to say, you got to give it to Nathan Ingham, he has been lights out all year on a not great York squad. So can that be kind of what uh, kickstarts kick 2019 for York 9 to have a huge result, which they already have a, they already had a huge result against Edmonton to qualify for round three, to be quite honest. So can they continue on that lineup on that line of uh, of uh, of good fortune, that's a very good question. Uh, I think that there's also a chance there. Definitely not as much of an upset chance as the uh, Cavalry Whitecaps, but I think uh, I think York has a chance. I don't know. Uh, On to the Ottawa Halifax matchup. I think out of the impact in Vancouver, I think Ottawa is going to be the only team. I mean, out of the, I don't want to say superior clubs, out of the more experienced clubs in Canada um, that are probably going to play a full strength lineup. I see. I I have that same. Like, I have a similar I, I, I uh, think, similar feeling. I think with Ottawa, it's they know they might not be as good as Toronto and and Montreal and Vancouver yet, but I feel like the Canadian Championships is something that they they've always tried to gun for and it's obviously the same old story with it's either Toronto or or Montreal and maybe Vancouver uh but i i feel like the Canadian championship for Ottawa is kind of a a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they really try to push for it and i think last year was a bit disappointing for them um but yeah i think all all to say i think all out of all the teams that we've mentioned uh, regarding the impact in Vancouver and uh, I think they're going to be the only team to to play a, a really full strength lineup and to just get the tie over with, which I th- I believe they could. But that said, uh, HFX have been pretty decent for to my knowledge in the CPL this year. Um, but um, but yeah, I think I think they'll manage to get the job done. And plus, you got to also remember the whole Ottawa versus the that CPL. That is true. That is true. There's an there's definitely an added like uh like a, a not a not dark horse I don't know what the word is but like there's the the X factor there's the uh uh what do you call it the uh the emotional the emotional aspect yeah. of it of, Oh cuz if if they win there's definitely <laughs> that's they're, they're definitely putting a statement there that um, they're better than towards, the CPL towards yes. the CPL will they eventually join the CPL down the line you know maybe but uh, given what had happened. Was it over the summertime? So from what I hear, it's not looking likely. Okay. 
Um, See, my prediction was like maybe in like a you know we'll we'll pass the ten year mark in CPL if everything goes well, and then we'll we'll start to see clubs making the jump. But um, but you know the situation better than I do because it was a pretty it was wacky. Know, it was a really wacky situation um, where the, they where they they were about to not have a season in USL. And so then, Con- so Concacaf. Um, warned them it was it was a, a situation where the CONCACAF had told them to to join um the CPL unless they wouldn't be in they wouldn't be able to compete and uh finally they ended up staying in in USL uh and like look regardless of if if that was a popular or unpopular decision uh they were in their rights to want to stay in the USL. Uh, you know, they've got their own stuff to work on. And let's face it, uh, it's tough to prepare something in a new league in a few months like they would have done. If it was a situation of them having to leave the USL and join the CanPL in a matter of, I mean, let's face it, it was almost weeks. Like, it was, it was down to the wire. And... I mean, not to say that, not that I want to take one over the other, but like I can understand Ottawa in their, in their motives. Uh, and it was not that there was a breakup, not that there was a breakup, but it was, it, it ended up being pretty ugly. And I definitely think that Ottawa's coming into that matchup with a chip on their shoulder. They want to prove yeah. to the CanPL that they're, they're still, they're still in it. And Despite losing a bunch of their players from last year, Crippo being, I think, the most, the oh, the was, biggest loss. Yeah, Crippo was probably their best player last year. Who was well, go- uh, who not was, probably. I think he definitely was. Who was the goalkeeper player. of the year last year yeah. in, in the in the USL? Um, so ultimately, uh, I think Ottawa has the edge over uh, Halifax, and it might be one of those. It, you know, Halifax has never played Ottawa. But it might get ugly. I think it might get ugly, yeah. not on the field. Oh, okay, yeah, I see what. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Hopefully, it stays civil, because honestly, I like the CPL. I also like Ottawa Fury because you want Canadian teams to be good. You know, it, it was like it, it, it's the same. It, it's the same thing as in. Uh, uh, the people that were uh, routinely rooting against the Raptors to not win. Ultimately, it's the one team from Canada. I want teams from our country to be good. Ottawa Fury is a team from our country in our nation's capital. You know, regardless of if they, you know, the things that I don't know or the things that, you know, their uh, front office uh, deems fit like who am I to judge that because I am not in their front office at the end of the day uh we can we can sit around and talk about it which we're doing it right now that's totally okay but at the end of the day you gotta let them you know play their soccer and you gotta let them you know do their own thing and uh that's why I think they're gonna they're coming in they've and it's it's great that you mentioned it they've always wanted to perform and to stick it to the MLS teams now I think that it's more of an Ottawa versus everybody thing. They want to stick it to both the MLS teams and the CanPL teams. I think it's a very unique situation there with 
with uh, Ottawa stepping into to, to round three. I like that. Ottawa versus the world. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like it, 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 and I'm getting this as we're talking about it. Um, when we get closer to that matchup, which I don't even know when exactly it'll be. I think, um, I think for those rounds, I think they're in July. It would be great to have a to have an Ottawa journalist come in, like call into the show and like yeah. get their situation. Yeah, it'd be really fun to see what because they've been the they've been the, the 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 ugly duckling in Canada for this these past few months with the CPL coming in and you know they were kind of a why are you raining why are you raining on our parade type thing. <laughs> You know, it, it'd be interesting. It, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to have a have an eye because I'm definitely I I probably will be watching the the impact games because it's kind of my job. But you know, it'll be it'll be a very interesting little. Yeah. Uh, whew, well, I, I I'm interested to see what'll happen. Yeah, no, well said. I'm 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 interested too. I personally I as interesting as the games will be between the CPL and MLS teams. I I don't I don't see either of the CPL teams going through. Ooh, I think, you don't see Cavalry making I it. I mean, you win the Voyagers Cup, you have that CONCACAF Champions League qualification. There's too much there's too much hanging there, there there's too much of a prize hanging there for for any of the teams to to want to I guess give up or to say, you know, or to not really take it seriously. I think I think all the club I think every Canadian club wants to play in the CONCACAF Champions League. And I don't think CPL is there yet. Um, whether or not Vancouver and Montreal or even Ottawa decides to to flip their squad a little bit, um, I still think, despite the lineup they play, unless they really f- go deep into their youth system, um, I I still think I could I could see Montreal, um, you know, winning with maybe a little bit of competition from York. I think the Vancouver Cavalry one, as you were saying, is going to be the one to watch. Um, given that Calgary have been pretty lights out so far this season, the CPL, um, but you know I can I can see Vancouver just you know getting the business done no matter how hard it is. I could see um, I could see Montreal going through, and honestly, I could see Ottawa going through. Um, but is that to say that the CPL is not good in terms of talent? Absolutely not. Um, I just don't think they're there yet um, in terms of competing at um, at competitions. Uh, like the Canadian Championship because of the squads and the clubs such as you know Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, and Ottawa who have been around for um, quite a few years now and and you know they have that experience under their belt uh, at the professional level, let alone well at the cup level, let alone the professional level. Um, so yeah, the CPL is going to take time for them to really challenge properly against clubs like that because um, we're still seeing the league develop as it goes on, but. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good to see a you know a big competition uh, in the Canadian Championship. It's good to see it's, it's bigger, like a proper. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a proper bracket competition. Uh, I'm still, I still don't know what to make of this automatic semifinal berth for the winner. I still think it's, uh, I don't, too much of an incentive to to win. I feel, a bit. I feel like you're already getting that qualification in CONCACAF and you know Toronto this is this could easily have Toronto win it once again you know because they have that luxury of just being automatically in the semifinal I think it it's a little bit of a little bit too much to give um for championships maybe they have an automatic knockout stage um uh sorry an, an automatic knockout stage match in the quarterfinals would make more sense but 
you know, to have a semifinal berth is too much of a luxury, I think. Okay, so to to bring it back, so you got you got Vancouver, Ottawa, and Montreal. I could see this being a Montreal year. Ooh, you, all the way, going all the way? Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I could see this being a Montreal year. I think there's been a positive um, transition in the Remy Gald era. Uh, in terms of playing style, I think uh, they're still finding their footing as well in the league and, and under Gald, but I think this year they've been pretty, they've, they've done pretty well. They're in a playoff position. Um, and I could see them, yeah, I could see them ending the season with a trophy at least. All right, so for my round three, I have Cavalry, Ottawa, and the Impact. And, yeah, sorry Montreal, but I, I still think Toronto is winning this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think that if the Impact were... Um, smart, they would put a lot of emphasis, not all of their emphasis, but they would put a lot of emphasis on winning that that Voyager's Cup to, to get back into the Champions League because the Champions League has been very good to the impact. Most of the people, yeah. most of their uh, fame has gotten through the Champions League when they weren't even in MLS they made that huge run and it got them international recognition. And then again, when they went to the, the Champions League final against Club America, it was a huge deal. Huge deal. So hopefully this gets back, but I can also totally see uh, a Toronto FC with Omar Gonzalez coming in, uh, get that get that Voyager's Cup again. Uh, and then kind of, because... To be honest, like uh, Toronto, losing a guy like uh, Sebastian Jovinko and then turning, doing a 180 and then getting Alejandro Pozuelo is exactly what I expect of a team with the caliber of a TFC. You lose a big player, you get the big money and get yourself another big player. That's been the struggle for the impact for the last few years. You know, well, they had Marco DeVaio and then after that, there was that that in-between and then... You know, Piatti was coming in, and then they got Didier Drogba, and now it's it, there's so much reliance on Piatti, and now there's virtually no Piatti for. There hasn't been all season, you know, and I don't think there's a date even set for his comeback. If he uh, if he does manage to come back from injury this season, well, you know, I mean, like, if he comes back, it'll be in a yeah, playoff push situation. There, you know, there, there's always that struggle for the impact of life after so and so. You know, there's always that. Oh, we we need that one player. That's gonna make us good, rather than you know, I feel making the making the squad as a whole uh, talented from top to bottom, which I think Gald is is going towards. But there's always that one spot that you know they're kind of trying to figure out who to bring in or if they could bring in anybody. Um, and like you said, yeah, what really measures a top club is being able to you know, just because you sell your top player doesn't mean you're gonna drop points in the season or you know you're gonna drop as a club in general. You know, you sell that player and you get someone just as suitable. You know, maybe not, you know, Pozuelo might not be as good as Giovinco ever was. Um, but, you know, he's still getting the job done. He's still doing really well. I know early on the season, I was watching some of his highlights and it was literally just, yeah, okay, <laughs> by Sebastian, we got Pozuelo and they're not even sweating. They're exactly. not even sweating. Even though I think Sebastian Giovinco probably puts up more numbers, you got someone in that position who's doing just as good as a job. And like you said, just a complete 180 and, you know, that's what measures top clubs and that's what 
the impact are really struggling with. Exactly. This is the the level between a good club and a great club. And like, let's face it. I mean, you can you can argue that. Oh well, I mean, where is Toronto now? It's it's not. They're not in the greatest of positions. Fair enough. But at least they're doing stuff. You know. Yeah. And on that note, we are going to end this week's show. Uh, thank you for being very patient uh, with us taking six months off. Uh, it was, yeah, we took a <laughs> pretty hefty sabbatical. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, um, you, you were, uh, you were the news editor at the link over oh, at Concordia, which the, the winter time in terms of, in terms of news was like, it was crazy. It was insane. It was just everything. And I feel like it's a pattern too with like student journalism at the link is the winter time is always that, that moment. Um, but yeah, we had that. I mean, you were. You know, I was I was starting I was starting, starting my off, yeah. my own my own my own things. I mean, if you you probably know by now with my stuff with Pro Soccer USA, uh, and I was also doing the Scrum, which is another podcast. If you want to listen to, uh, so there's that. And uh, yeah, it, it, scheduling became difficult. I mean, the concussion wasn't fun. And you had a, concussion, had a concussion recently. Yeah, it, was, it was not. It was, was it not like fun. a month ago? It was about a month and a half ago, and I'm still somewhat. Gaming. It's definitely a lot better. I mean, I'm playing again, which is, which counts. I mean, just by seeing you in like not day to day, but almost day to day, like you seem a lot better. Oh man, yeah, yeah. You saw me when I was on that. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like mid injury. Yeah, yeah. No, it was not fun. I do yeah. not wish that on because like, we were anyone. um we're also on the board of directors of the link, and uh, you had a meeting. We we had a meeting last month, and it was like a very it was like recent that you had your concussion and just from a month ago because we had a meeting today <laughs> this is yeah. we came back from the meeting to record this podcast and just your interaction with uh with the rest of uh of that oh, of the yeah. board is just it's like it's it's night and it was night and day uh, like i wouldn't along with an acl i would never wish like this type of injury on like anybody absolutely anybody um all that to say though it's good to be back it's good to be back, and I can't wait for the listeners to listen in again. It's good to be back. Uh, we haven't really discussed in terms of like how much uh, episodes will come in. I can promise you that there will be an episode next week. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. It's it's one of those shows that you just gotta <laughs> trust us and go along for the ride. I love it. it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be fun. It's like I yes. family friendly show. Family friendly, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but. Uh, and most of all, thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow Alex Perez. Where can we follow you, Alex Perez? Uh, on Twitter at Das Alex Perez. Absolutely. You can follow me also on Twitter at Tristan Damour with an S at the end. How, I was going to say S at the end. <laughs> I was going to add that in for you, but you beat me to it. Thanks uh, again to uh, Naimalu for creating the logo. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all of the thanks that I'm going to do today. Uh, yeah. Yeah, do you need to thank uh, you to anyone? No, I don't got anybody. No, it's, <laughs> I think yeah. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> thank good. you for letting you know, having us record in your apartment. That's totally fine on uh, on the orange couch, because uh, yeah, love this couch. It's a great couch. It's a great couch. Oh, uh, one final thing, uh, follow uh, follow the podcast at TTK Podcast on Twitter. Um, follow it. We have all of the all of the shows, all the news around the shows uh, that we upload on there um yeah have a great time watching soccer in the summer i mean choice is yours yeah all 10 
12, 2,500 tournaments Good going on at the God. same time. <laughs> and send us your predictions, because we, uh, we spent over an hour talking about ours. So let's hear from you, from you guys. Yeah. But um, on, the, on that note, <laughs> I don't even know what I want to say anymore. <laughs> on that note, we'll hear you all next time. Excuse me for being excited, people!